0: I do not see any point in learning to comprehend a language that you can't speak. I completely disagree with this. Um, Hold on. You know.
1: Are you saying that there's no merit in them having their main goal as, as just understanding the Quran? as alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. And a very warm welcome back to the Arabic in 60 Steps podcast. Today, we have another voice on the podcast, which is something that you guys haven't been able to enjoy in a little while. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce you to uh, my dear brother, Habib Ali, Habib, if we can start. Oh, firstly, let's start with Assalamu Alaikum. alaikum. How are you doing, my brother?
0: Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well.
1: Alhamdulillah. So, I want to start by taking you back to what I imagine is your best memory of being in the dorms of Dinwiddie and first time meeting me, um, which I imagine must have been up there with the best experiences. And um, so, I want to know a bit about kind of what your background was before you started studying Arabic at uni. And um, yeah. and then what your what your dreams were, I suppose. So can you can you speak a little bit to that, just to give the audience an idea of who you are and and what your background is?
0: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in the Midlands um, and in a town close to Birmingham um, called Burton, um, um, it, and um, I was home educated. Uh, so I guess growing up, it, it being home educated at the time when I was home educated. pre pre kind of internet being a huge phenomenon it was always kind of quite a uh, reflective um, experience because I was always around people talking about different approaches to education Um, so you kind of you're learning as a kid but also learning how you're learning at the same time Um, I then went on to um, attend school when I got to 14 Um, and I did the you know normal things the GCSEs the A-levels um i took a gap year i did a bit of travelling in spain and um, I, mem- I spent that year memorizing quran as well um so i sort of the seeds of i mean growing up as a muslim arabic's always on the agenda but the during this year i was spending a lot of time around the arabic language without really understanding it to a high level so i guess the seeds of wanting to uh, understand the language um started then I was 16 years old. Um, and my um, I, I came back, I did A levels, um, studied Spanish at A level. Again, reinforces the idea that I wanted to do languages, and then that takes me to when I arrived at SOAS. Um,
1: you know, it's it, such it, a it's a really common trait that I've noticed in lots of students that they they find some kind of love for the Arabic language and Muslim history generally in Spain. Like, I know, like, at the moment, I'm running an intensive version of the 60 Steps program. And, like, Mm. maybe half of the students have reported, like, a a kind of inspiration to learn Arabic from Spain, which I found so interesting. Like, I I kind of experienced something similar. Like, I I remember because I I did A level Spanish as well. And we had a trip to Granada in our second Mm. year. And I remember being there and thinking, why has this all been kept a secret from me? Like, why is this whole, like, whole like muslim and arabic language civilization existed for 800 years like a one hour one and a half hour flight from me two hour flight from me <laughs> why has this yeah. all been a secret like did you did you find like obviously you you have like a at least a half muslim background but, but both your parents muslim right but but only your dad's from like a muslim majority country is that right
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah so like but but not an arabic background right like your, your dad's pakistani right
0: because yeah I'm, I'm half english half pakistani and yeah. That kind of makes me look a little bit like I could be Arab, sure. But, um, but um, I, I have to remind people, that there was no sort of native speaking of Arabic in my household growing up. Got it. Um, yeah, I, so... I mean, yeah, my, my my me coming into Arabic was was learning something new. Yeah.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. So, so what I was going to say is, like, a lot of people who sort of grow up in the West, they they find like a, a part of themselves in that, like, find like a in seeing that like Arabic has been spoken in this part of Europe for like 800 years or whatever they kind of find a, a belonging in it somehow even if you don't have a Spanish background or whatever like I don't and if you don't have an Arabic speaking background just because I don't know that you kind of had this entire like Arabic language speaking civilization more, more or less re- relatively speaking on your doorstep like when, when we grow up in our education system and stuff or I, I don't know if it was different with you being home educated I don't know if your family kind of taught you a lot about Muslim history and stuff like that but for most of us who kind of go to mainstream school that's like most of us kind of grew up thinking that that islam and the arabs generally are like as as far away as like like china like we we kind of grew up with pretty much that impression so so it's interesting to find out a lot of people kind of discover a love for arabic in spain
0: yeah i mean i i I visited spain quite early on um a number of times and it was again andalusia um and then I think the reason why it holds such a major appeal for people this area of the world is, during the its peak in a sort of um, Muslim civilization uh, period, it was it was a literal mixing of um, uh, Islamic culture, Western culture, and Jewish culture as well, and so a lot of the the sort of cult, the, the 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 gems from that period. Um, whether it's um, Arabic literature, Arabic history, or even styles of dress or the the, the, the Alhambra as an achievement of architecture. Um, Even the styles of music from that area of the world are hugely inspired um, by this kind of complete mixing of cultures. So if there was ever a a kind of a playground where our ideas have already been discussed, from both sides i think this was the place in the world
1: that's really interesting you know one of, one of the students who's on my intensive program at the moment he's a professor of spanish literature um in america mm-hmm. and so he's kind of turning his attention towards arabic after reading a book called cuando fuimos arabes like when we mm-hmm. were arabs like quite often it's like in the discourse that the arabs came and then they sort of left but it's it's more a mix than that as you're saying it's like the the the, the title of this book is making the argument that it's not that the arabs popped up for for a hundreds of years and then left, it's that we were them for a time, and they were us for a time, if you know what I mean, which, um, which I think is really interesting. So, so what was your, like, what was your exposure to the Arabic language there? Like, when, when I was in Granada, I remember sort of having an idea in my head that the Arabic would be kind of more and prevalent among speakers there. But I remember going to the khutbah and stuff there, and it was still delivered in Spanish and stuff. And um there, there, there are there were Arabs when I was there, but maybe I I don't know. Maybe I was only there for like a week as well. Whereas yeah, you're talking mean, about a
0: much longer time. I spent I spent a year in Mallorca, um, which is part of the Balearic Islands. Um it's generally known as a party island nowadays, but has a completely other, you know, different side to it. Um it was, it was one of the last places where the Muslims were, um, and so there are still relics of um, bits of castles and stuff in the mountains. Where, um, and um, the main one of the main f- famous tourist attractions in Mallorca is a cathedral known as Leseo, um, which was converted from the mosque um, pre- previously during the Muslim times. And um, I'm not sure how much of it survives as a mosque, but nowadays it's respected as an amazing example of um, Gothic architecture. Um, so it, so this, this is huge. Um, now going to sort of more um, modern day look at it, it also has a big community of Moroccans on the island and also a Senegalese community. And so when I was when I was in Mallorca, I spent a lot of time with the Moroccan community and the Senegalese community. Um, and i studied with uh, a moroccan teacher um and so it was arabic all the time really in fact my my teacher didn't speak spanish very um very okay. strongly he and he didn't speak english at all either and so i communicated with him with him generally through like gestures but mm-hmm. he was he speak to me in arabic but i didn't pick much up i suppose
1: that's wow. really interesting. I remember one one of kind of the most memorable memorable things about yourself, like myself and some of my friends who were like for for the people listening who don't know about the context of that, I, I was in my final year of my Arabic degree when Habib joined um, came to London to study Arabic in his first year. So like I'd kind of been there and made friends and stuff like that. And I remember when we kind of met you, and you said that you'd done like a gap year in Majorca. And you'd like been to madrasa there. We obviously we had the idea that people don't go to Mallorca to go to madrasa. So we thought that was a we thought that was like a euphemism <laughs> for something else. Maybe maybe getting up to all sorts of that you're abroad. But no, there are there is actually a legitimate Muslim history and Muslim presence there. Probably up in the mountains or whatever. <laughs> but but there there actually is a legitimate um, community of people there at, actually at madrasa and memorising the Quran, which is um, which is pretty beautiful, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, also like it's. tourist island for a very specific time in the year and then when the tourists all leave it's a very kind of if anyone's ever sort of lived or been on an island there's a very specific it's very sparse there's not many people Um, people go for one reason but generally speaking uh, and then they go and then the rest of the year it's this uh, amazing community of people who essentially live quite simple lives really because the the the, the only major industry there is the tourist industry, and outside of that, there's a bit of farming. There's, it's very, it's, it can be quite quiet and serene, and it's a great place to be to study Quran because there isn't that distraction. You can't literally can't go anywhere without getting on a boat, mm. um, so it's it's it was it's a fantastic place to to be for a while. But yeah, I mean, I think that that led me really to this idea of wanting to get to grips with the Arabic language, which where I had to go to Soas um
1: why did why was it so important to do that obviously like especially in the west like you can pretty much do degrees in anything really so why was it why was it so important to to commit to a degree in learning the Arabic language
0: um I I was young and uh I was you know I was a brainwashed like everyone else who does A-levels into that idea that 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 that's just the next thing you do (laughs) um um you sort of I, and I don't I don't have a completely negative opinion of it. It's the way things turned out for me. But um, I thought, well, if I'm gonna do a degree in anything, I might as well do it in something that I actually like will benefit me outside of the piece of paper. Um, and so for me, it was like killing two birds with one stone in the sense. It was like, this is a big life ambition I have. And also all my friends, and everything I've been leading up to seemed to be going to university. Um,
1: yeah if I look
0: back, was that the best decision to have taken? Um, that's kind of a longer discussion. but like that's the decision I took and then I was um, and then obviously I was in this world of academic Arabic, mm-hmm. which is an interesting one to be part of here.
1: Yeah, it is that that's an interesting kind of generation that you and i are part of where but similarly to yourself like all my friends were going to university like, i actually heard people say things like i'm, I'm going to do a degree in something business or whatever and would say why and they'd say well i've got to go to uni for something
0: yeah, yeah you know, yeah. Like,
1: like it was it was just a, a given that you were going to go to university if you if you've got good enough grades in your a levels or whatever well of course you're going to go to university and like I, i also kind of had the influence of like my dad's generation of people and my dad didn't go to university but people kind of around him and stuff who kind of Mm -hmm. were of the generation where if you had a degree in something you were just so hireable like the kind of people who were influencing me were people who had degrees in all sorts like they got two twos in something and they got a good job you know and that 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 was the situation for for a lot of them
0: and I say let's face it to be honest with you both of us have probably gained a lot from having a degree still but more based on the strange kind of prestige that comes from it um like i certainly learned loads about arabic from university but i've but 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 i would be i would literally not know half stuff if i hadn't continued studying arabic outside university if i hadn't been putting in extra hours if i basically don't spend every day of my life even since graduating studying arabic so um and i know lots of people who haven't been to university and have got to um equally high levels without it so but still it, I have to say that for me to say that I've been to SOAS and I've committed four years of my life to full-time doing it it's, it's, it's something which is it does stand for something you know As I'm sure it's the same for
1: yourself definitely yeah like when, when I look at sort of my cohort who graduated in yeah 2015 like I think I might be the only one who's using Arabic in my work and like mm-hmm. and and that's only because I've invented my own job like yeah. I, I, I never I never applied and like an employer was so impressed by BA Arabic. That that was never the case. It was, I just invented my own job. And I I, I did I have experienced. I remember I remember specifically in my second year being in the prayer room at, at SOAS. And mm-hmm. brother Inam, shout out to brother Inam, he might have been the year above you, maybe. But he'd, he'd been studying in Egypt for two years, and I'd been studying at SOAS for two years. And his Arabic was just head and shoulders above mine. Like, he spoke hmm. in Arabic and stuff. Like he was chatting in Arabic to, like, some visitors who'd come to the union, and everything. And his Arabic was just head and shoulders above mine. But there, there were obviously other, like, other things. Like, obviously, I could explain the, the complexities of Arabic grammar much better than he could, perhaps. And perhaps I had knowledge of certain texts and stuff that we had the opportunity to study from you know, the kinds of lectures that you have at that university like I'm, I'm not saying that his, I'm not saying that it's not worth doing the first two years of a degree because you could just go and do that but that is kind of a, a humbling experience sometimes And I think I think if you want to do the kind of work that you and I do, you, you yeah. can, you can get into it by studying from just that, just the wealth of resources that are out there for the Arabic language there's just, there's just so much for it so I don't know th- yeah. those, those are some things I perhaps would say for for people who are considering studying and I, perhaps I even think it's a little bit different for me because I I managed to get into university the, the last year, the fees were lower. As well, yeah. so it makes it a bit more it makes the, it makes the whole commitment, a bit more palatable for me looking back at it because. um, yeah it was just a, it wasn't a, as expensive experience as what it is now, but I, I definitely do think that think that just for like my students it does carry some weight that their teacher has a ba in arabic like and I, I i see it in your content as well that you 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 just give your students the reassurance that they're being taught by graduates in ba arabic and it, it does count for something you know i'm i'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't count for anything it, you know it definitely yeah, does count
0: yeah i mean there's there's always nuance when you look at that's why i said it's a discussion because When I actually think about, reflect upon my experience at university, there's so much that I learned there, which I can't really think of anywhere else I could have had the opportunity. Uh, So many people I met and little questions which I got answered, which I realize that I know now, but, you know, but some people who haven't been in that environment don't, wouldn't have come across. Right. um, Really, like an a, a close understanding of like what the Mu'allaqata are, or having studied pre-Islamic poetry, which you um and and sort of a, a self-awareness of where at an elite level Arabic learning has how it is developed in the West. Because really, and this is a big, this is a real big problem I have with the university system, and I think it's something that um that you really understand now and we were just touched on a bit as our, our generation we went to university and even now it's seen as a common thing to do not necessarily um something only for hi- highly um you know very rich people or extremely academic excellent people like a lot of people go if you're relatively good with academia you can and you try really hard you could probably get into a university to study um, a topic but you see when when the curriculum was being written at places like SOAS, that it was was really an elite endeavor for elite people. And so um, it's there to teach people, you know, a very specific type of Arabic. And as you said, most people who go to that degree, that's not the reason they're going. Um, They're not learning Arabic so that they can um, translate UN documents or know about the intricacies of um, Abbasid poetry um, through the lens of gender studies or something like that. They're yeah. not doing that. Just they want a practical skill, and the universities that so so, so the the demands that you, the students are coming to university, but the university hasn't developed to offer that practical skill, um, and that's why I feel like people like us are kind of picking up the pieces, mm. and and the universities are hugely funded, and compared to, to operations like the, the, the research we do and yet then they don't seem to be responding to changes in technology they're not making the use of that they don't seem to be prepared to um, experiment um with with different approaches to pedagogy it's um and, that, and that's definitely what we're doing in arabic at the moment um, our process is all about self-reflection on our jobs as arabic teachers and looking and trying out new things and seeing what works. And um I was actually just <clears throat> talking recently, I was in a, a panel discussing um with Arabic with Nicole. Um and 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 I was I was talking about when I was like for for when I got into I'm very interested in design um as, as the idea of designing syllabus um human-centered design designing things for people
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um I'm interested in the intersection between Arabic language education and design, and wh- when I'm talking about design, I mean design having a really close understanding about who the user is, who this in in our case who the student is, and what their life is actually like, not we what we wish it would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like I feel like what I see often in Arabic education is is Arabic mixed with motivational speaking, right? Okay. And don't get me wrong, like I really love motivational speaking <laughs> myself. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to an Arnold Schwarzenegger talk and get 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 you know get pumped up to study all the time. Um, and as a student, it, it, for the right type of student, that's a really good approach to take. Like, put all the onus on yourself. Hard work, grit. You know, if if you if you're not if making progress, blame yourself. But as a teacher. That's a really bad approach because when things go wrong, I need to be blaming, blaming my syllabus. I need to be blaming myself. And the way students are, that's kind of none of my business because I can't control that, right? So I need to build a syllabus which serves students the way they are, not the way I wish they were, you know? And, 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 and so I feel like uh, the, the way we create Syllabuses has to take into account that certain times people get ill, or certain times people have uh, lots of kids that they need to look after, and they, 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 their their mind is going to go. We don't expect everyone to be um, in a, like you know in, in an institution with nothing else to do all day but study Arabic. So building that in, and working out how to build that in, and not not, and and I, I feel like sorry, I'm I'm going on for a long time. no, but, no
1: go ahead, please.
0: I feel like um, education, in a way, is inherently conservative because it's so it's so hard to write learning resources, right? So, as a teacher, when you finished your learning resource and it's and it looks good to you, you really want to you you really feel like avoiding any criticism, okay. like you know, like there's been times you know I've typeset a whole vocab list, I made it look beautiful this vocab list and then uh, sitting there and because my wife ella she she, she does the w- women's courses or and we also have sophie working with us as well now who's also on our year at soas and they'll say something like you know what like i think we could deal with putting that word a little bit later because it would work really well if, if that word comes in and then then we can introduce this topic later and i'm like oh my goodness like this is gonna, this is gonna be like it's gonna be another, you know. So there's this pull for teachers, because I because I know it's gonna be hours of work. And so there's this, this pull for teachers to want to say, no, 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 I do it right. The way that I teach is the best method for you to learn Arabic. So what we ended up doing is changing the design to make it easier for us to make changes, okay, to make less, less obstacles to us, so to encourage us as teachers to change and to make it easier, less labor intensive because we we feel like how can it's it's too much to say that we've solved it you know like we haven't solved it yet when we say ihsan arabic we mean we, we're aiming for ihsan arabic not <laughs> we are ihsan arabic you know like we're, that's that's where we want to be Yeah. but of course of course we're always, it's always a work in progress you know
1: so this this kind of process that you're opening up about about um but firstly, like an, an emotional one, which I absolutely resonate with. Like I've probably, I don't know, I don't know how many resources I've put out there in terms of like videos and stuff, but like, like I've I've got better at it, but criticism. And even just, sometimes it's not actually criticism. Sometimes it's just a point or sometimes it's just a bit of advice or something that stuff can just hurt because, because you just put time in, in in it and it's front of a lot of people. And when you're on yeah. platforms like this, like you, you feel a um, a need to maintain a certain level of like reputation for yourself as well. And I think, but perhaps yeah. in perhaps in perhaps I'm not alone in that. I've even I've even been in situations where I've hesitated to um, to look for teachers for myself, or hesitated to even use Arabic and stuff sometimes. But for the fear that people will say like like you're a teacher and you're making mistakes, or like you're a teacher and you need you, there are these things that people advise you on and stuff, which is just a madness. Like it's so backwards, isn't it? Like that's that's such a backwards way of of looking at your position. But like this process that, that we're talking about, do you think that um do you think that our, our lecturers at university scrutinize themselves in such a manner? Um no, no is the no no is the answer. <laughs> no is the answer. I don't, think they um, do. I don't no.
0: Yeah, I am I'm, I'm very careful always to make absolutes, but I feel like there sure. can be an absolute yeah, here. I just don't think it's happening. Um no. because because um essentially I've been through it and i don't know what's happening now like it it's it's it it could have changed in the last 5 years or so but when i was there and the, and from what i've heard from other people i feel like i feel like the community of arabic teachers online on instagram um has has had this amazing thing where we've been able to communicate and and, and be inspired by each other's work uh, that we've made leaps and bounds in the last like even like 3 years um, we we we've managed to you know like even the the one of the things that the Eastern Arabic syllabus um, blends really is 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 the the approach we did at SOAS, which I would call an orientalist approach. So what what I mean by that is that the grammar is explained in the English language with English grammatical terminology. Yeah. And we can go into the, 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 the you know, pros and cons of that, um, of course. But then when we went to Palestine, and we both we both uh, were, were lucky enough to go to Nablus and study Al-Najah, um, we learnt it with the Arab tradition. And then since then, I've been getting more and more into ideas of comprehensible input, um, immersion into the language, um, being less perfectionist and more open to guessing and less bothered about a complete perfect perfect understanding of the grammar um, and all of these different strands which I've taken from different places uh, are being balanced in our syllabus.
1: Um, I think there is a um, I think generally in in the field of learning standard Arabic right I think there is a there's such a attention to kind of precision and stuff. There's such a a focus on getting case endings right and things like that. That a, a message that I'm pushing quite a lot in my content these days is making your experience learning the Arabic language more play than performance. Like a lot of the time mm-hmm. when people actually create sentences, it's like a performance. It's like every single harakah, has just got to be in a perfect place. and if there's a word order, yeah. if there's something wrong, then like this individual's understanding is Baatil, and um, you know, and, he sh- and you shouldn't take knowledge from him. But that's just not how language works. Now I've, I argue in one of my videos as well, even that we're actually holding students of the language to a higher standard than what we hold native speakers to, because many native speakers make these mistakes. And in fact, I even argue in the English language, like if someone's to listen to this podcast back, like I probably make tons of grammar mistakes in my spoken English because it's just it's just spoke, it's just what spoken language is like. It you know you just use the things that work and stuff. And I I don't know I, th- I think I think it actually creates a, a, sometimes an unhealthy environment. Like I, I know I experienced the SOAS a, a yeah. quite an unhealthy environment of like competition even between people because it's so easy to spot a mistake in somebody when they're just trying to speak or whatever. And I I don't know if I don't know maybe some cohorts are, are, are different. But I thought in my experience at SOAS. Like SOAS, for, for people who are in the languages niche, like they really know SOAS. Like anybody who's into languages knows SOAS. So like, pe- people who aren't, I mentioned SOAS, they don't really know quite what an achievement SOAS is for lots of us. And like in yeah. the room of students who are studying BA Arabic or Arabic and whatever, that is like, that's a room of some of the most, com- a, a room of people who are all of the best at languages from the school they come from. So they're yeah. all used to being the best at languages where they're from. and And that's an identity that, that, people get quite quickly and quite a strong one like if you're like a languages person it's quite rare to be a languages person because languages are hard and you know and to be honest they're not very fun when you learn like French or German at school or whatever so Mm -hmm. we've got this whole room of people from all over the place who are all proud of being the languages person in an environment that fosters like quickly recognizing small mistakes and I I don't know, I I think that's pretty unhealthy. And that's that's not a um, that's not something that I want to encourage the generation of my students of the Arabic language in any way.
0: Yeah. And I'd say this, this may be somewhat controversial for me to say, but um, within the field of um, Arabic education, but I've, I feel quite convinced by it is that <clears throat> people have put forward this view that there's some way to hack Arabic le- language learning and that uh, essentially, if your v- if your desire is to understand the Quran, then you need to focus on comprehension above all else, and you don't need to worry too much about speaking the language, producing the language. Um, and besides, you know, Fusha it's not that really useful to produce about everyday matters anyway, because most Arabs, they kind of speak. They 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 use words like for for um anything, you know, like a um everyday, like a cooker or something. They they would actually use the armiya or dialect word anyway. So what are we doing learning these words in Fusha? I completely disagree with this entirely, and I do not see any point in learning to comprehend a language that you can't speak. Um especially when it's as important as a language which has come down in the Qur'an. And I feel like maybe there was a time about it where, where it was a start just to be able to comprehend the Qur'an. But if we want to understand the Qur'an, then we need to be able to at least use the language ourselves because it's completely different when you decipher a text and translate it into your own language as to when you own a text and you use the words in your life And then you really feel like you own that word, and then you encounter it in a text and you know what it means. um, Hold on.
1: Hold on. Mm -hmm. Are, Are you saying that there's not, let's say an individual wants to learn the Arabic language? primarily to understand the quran right let's say like they're a person who has no intention to ever visit an arabic speaking country for example they're not from an arabic speaking background maybe they they have an intention to do hajj inshallah right they've got an intention to 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 make or whatever but they've got no intention to live in an arabic speaking country or speak arabic at home are you saying that are you saying that that there's no merit in them having their main goal as as just understanding the quran or are you saying it just isn't it isn't the most fruitful of goals to have for learning arabic
0: i i think it's the wrong way for us as teachers of the arabic language oh to okay take, to take the the practice um because essentially it 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 is a strong risks in that and i can already see this happening of of Arabic being even called a dead language, which it just isn't. That's um, a mushkila.
1: That's a mushkila. Yeah.
0: And, and I've even heard people say it's a dead language, and I say, well, well, okay, what's well, a dead language? I say, well, people don't speak it, and I say, well, let's speak it, then. And and I say, I don't care if no, I don't care if if, if no one speaks Fusha in the world. I want to speak it. Yeah, I like. I don't care if no one uses these words. That's how much I love Arabic. Like. I don't. I don't mind. Like I want to be speaking this language that was spoken in the past, right? And um, I I often speak to Arabs in Fusha, and um, they make mistakes as well, and they're learning as well, and so it's it's a practice we should all be doing. And there's many. There's there's, there's a lot of people who who agree with me. Like in this in this method, um, there's a brilliant Arabic teacher. Um called Yulia, who, who has an Instagram page called Arabic speaking cats. Um, and she again, in her lessons, she will, she speaks Fossa and she 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 brings about everyday situations. So they're speaking Fussa, but they're literally speaking, and not just like touching on it, you know, just like, okay, let's do this thing about like catching a taxi in Fus'a or something. No, it's like let's speak about time management. Let's learn the word for procrastination. Let's let's learn you know, um, let's learn the words for uh, surfing the internet, and 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 have a long conversation in Fusa. And to me, this is this is this is where it's at um, in our education. Mm. I, don't, I don't. I know it's. I know not everyone's doing. I don't expect. And I'm not saying that there isn't merits in other people in, in the other ways of doing this. And it's obviously a huge thing to ask us Arabic teachers to offer, because we're in the very early days of this even happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like it's some it's a goal that we could you know work together to to achieve and to facilitate. you know what I mean?
1: I certainly think in the in the teaching of other languages, the the um the the tradition and the culture of teaching a language as a complete skill which you speak and you live is much more alive in other languages than it is in in arabic a lot of the time and i i actually i actually spoke to um actually spoke to Mohammed hijab about this when i was last um, at the iera offices because he he wanted to start like an arabic program and he was talking to me about it and he was saying like like why don't why don't more people teach arabic the way that like people teach english do you know what i mean like people who do like the celta program and stuff they teach english as a foreign language and i was saying well what about people who really don't have any intention to speak arabic you know, and yeah. he was saying, well, even in that case, like even in that case, because he actually used the word that I really like, he said language is the language is so entangled, like what yeah. things that you say, you you write and things that you write, you say, and, and it's, um, it's a, it's, it's, it's in some sense is a, a disservice to the Arabic language to not see it in, in, in the way that you're saying, like it makes, it makes a lot of sense when you say it from the teacher's perspective, this is what we should, this is what we should look to, to present for our students, but i as I've kind of I don't know i'm i'm a little bit not 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 entirely but i'm a little bit in the business head of it in some places because it i don't know like uh, sometimes an arabic teacher like myself who 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 doesn't have like a company it's really just like me doing everything like i'm i'm arabic teacher but i'm also like a strategist for how how will we pay the bills and all that sort of stuff as well and i yeah. find it's it's a real challenge for arabic teachers to try to try to change the way that students. Um, look, look at it, and I'm not saying you sh- shouldn't, and you shouldn't educate on like, on on the fruits of learning Arabic in a more complete way like this. But, but often, yeah. often it, it works best for, from the market standpoint to have students come to you and say, "I want this," and we say, "Okay," you know, like that's that, that that's often the case. But but not optimal. I'm not saying it's optimal, but, yes, but it's sure. it's, an ex- it's an explanation for why there are solutions out there that have simply fed the market. People have said, "I want to st- "I want to understand the Quran," and the Arabic teacher said well i'll help you understand the quran then yeah but what,
0: what i'm saying is two, two things to, I, I i've got two points that, to respond to that i'd say firstly the reason why i'm so passionate about this and you know uh, in is is because it's to me it's a matter of of taste tasting the language
1: mm-hmm. like
0: there's a complete difference to if i was to explain to you what it's like to fall in love versus falling in love right and I think there's a big risk if learning the language ignores speaking, that people know about the language, but they don't actually know the language. There's nothing spontaneous about the way they speak. So how could there be anything spontaneous about how they understand the Quran? Um, you know, uh, that 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 if they they know how they know about it. Like it's like you could explain when you fall in love, you get butterflies in your stomach. This is what happens. And I'm like, okay, now I've got uh, okay, okay, fall in love, butterflies in stomachs. Let me imagine butterflies in my stomach, right? Whereas when you fall in love, it just happens. There's something subconscious. And if you read the works of um, people who put forward this idea about comprehensible input, that's the whole idea is that if you like if language is absorbed subconsciously, then there's more spontaneity. In your ability to use it it's and and i feel there's more spontaneity in your ability to experience it um that's one thing the second point that i was going to make which is to address what you're saying about the um people coming to you yeah wanting. want um i don't mean i don't i don't
1: mean me specifically by the way i mean like to, to any teacher Big, it's a big thing. It's,
0: yeah, absolutely. And we've had this and definitely we've been down the approach before. Um, I used to place a lot more emphasis on, but this was when I was in earlier days as a teacher because I was I, I didn't have a huge amount of experience. So I used to ask a lot of questions of my students and I still do. And I still feel like asking the students what they want and shaping the course around the students' needs is really, really important. Um, but also, eventually speaking, there's the a difference between understanding the needs and then just also just responding to what people say. Like sometimes pe- people will say they, they like it's like if I went to a doctor and I had a an, an illness and I say I, I have a I have a broken foot, now, don't I? So I can say that I yeah. I, say I recently uh, uh, fractured my my foot. So I'm, so if I said to the doctor I've got a fractured foot and the way that I want to heal it is I want to walk on it and he'd say he'd say okay thanks for telling me what the problem is first let me make sure that that's the problem by doing an x-ray and secondly from my expertise if you want to get from A to B you don't walk on it for a period of time like you have to have a rest period for at least the first week Um, and so and you know I feel like we don't feel like we have the expertise in the Arabic language because it's such a ripe area for research but um, and, and so I'm perfectly willing to say these are things that I, I, I truly believe after my experience of having taught hundreds and hundreds of small groups of students um, and I feel like that's a major part of what I do is like actually teaching the students and responding to what they say and then like being like oh, I should have done that like, like one of the things with this comprehensible input I feel like grammar explanations should not be a recipe but should be a confirmation of things that students have already inferred. Because oftentimes, if I say to students, um, um, and then I say, okay, first, before anything, this is a ism. It's a noun, it fits into a category of words, which are people, places, and things. And it's also definite. It's got al at the beginning of it. And if you have al, you should only have one dhamma, and that's that's considered to be the mubtada of the sentence. And the second part is the khabar. Hang on, what was that word? Mubtada khabar, mubtada khabar. And they're like, whoa, whoa. And then eventually, when the student is really crying out with a headache, I say, look, it's, look, guys, guys, it's pretty simple. It just means the boy is clever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm not saying that the grammar explanation is not relevant, but what I'm saying is, if I say, if I take a picture. Of a really clever boy, yeah, and I say al and they're like, okay, okay. Al means the boy is clever. They've inferred it by the situation. Like maybe I do a boy with a certificate or something. He's he's just achieved something in education, and then I confirm everything with the grammar explanation afterwards. So the so they 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 already understand the obvious thing, and then I say, oh yeah, you know. Um, this is how we made this, this is how it was done. And in fact, if you look at the way books like Al-Ajrumiyya, the way i'rab was developed, it was not prescriptive, it was descriptive. Mm-hmm. It was a way to describe what was already there, hence why there is so much irregularity in grammar. It wasn't a way to... No one sat down, people have invented languages in, in the past, but no one wants to speak them like, you know, there were efforts to make like perfect robotic languages. Esperanto
1: uh, is one, isn't it? Esperanto had the, yeah, had the vision yeah, of being yeah. like the European language, but nobody, I mean, the people do, but it's not like, yeah. it's not it's not really caught on in the way that they envisaged, no.
0: Yeah, I don't know, I mean, I'm in- interested to hear your thoughts. And these are just thoughts which I'm having, you know, and uh, I'm sure. sure.
1: Well, um, yeah. I don't know, when you say that, an example of when I experienced that is, in the Arabic in 60 Steps program, when students come across the lesson on broken plurals because the thing about a kind of a step-by-step linear program like what I deliver is that the actual usage of Arabic really doesn't care about what you did in step one and step two like any sentence will have grammar from step 10 and step four and you know step whatever right but something I experienced something I experienced with broken plurals is by the time we get to broken plurals students have seen lots of them already right and and it's it's descriptive of something that they've already seen. They've already seen the plural of walad being awled, and They've already seen the plural of qamar being akmar. And they've already seen like a consistent pattern in it a few times. And then when they actually learn the rules of how it all falls into place, I, okay. I, I, I kind of... Go ahead, go ahead.
0: Can I j- jump in there? So just, I just wanted to, to clarify something. So in your course, yeah, you may put a text in which it has broken
1: plurals before you've explained what it is. So in our vocab lists, I always include the plurals of everything. They know it's a plural when they see it, um, because for all of our vocab lists, we include plurals, even even for words that are like you're not going to see a plural for. We include it because lots of students just enjoy having a complete, having a complete knowledge of it. And even like I've seen lots of my students, they get joy out of like telling their friends that they know the plural of Shem's. Like, when are you ever Mm -hmm. saying Shumos? Like, I don't know if I've ever seen chomos in a text in my life, right? But people like things like that. So so people yeah. so but it also kind of it also just kind of gives them opportunity to confirm regular broken plural patterns. And I was just I was just issuing the point that um that that we ex, that we experience students in you know when we come to broken plurals and they've already seen lots of them and it's it's descriptive and you see as it's, it's a very satisfying lesson for students. It's one I I really enjoy teaching because it kind of clicks in their head as to why they've seen all these plurals that kind of have the same beat to them, but none of the same letters necessarily. Like they, they, you know, however they kind of compute that. Like maybe, maybe they don't know that the Arabic term is a wazin, and maybe they don't know that there are regular, there are common patterns for broken plurals and stuff. Maybe they don't know that yet, but. Um, but it's 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 a satisfying lesson. It's one of my favorite to teach actually in the way that we deliver the program, but but the but the whole program isn't like that. There are steps earlier on in the program that are kind of prescriptive, I would say. um yeah, but obviously, there's varying degrees of how well that can be how well that can be taught. It can be taught very badly and and very well. Um, yeah, yeah
0: I think I, I think the say. same thing the same thing in in the way that I teach the lessons. yeah, I mean. the 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 course uh, will you know have elements of change in it as different cohorts take it but you know a lot of it early on when we were doing it we were kind of inspired by the soas approach because that's where we studied so it it was it was prescriptive but one of the things we did quite early on was move towards arabic terminology um a bit quicker than soas because we felt well, if as long as someone knows what a noun is, they might as well start calling it ism quite early on. Because it, it, I feel like the Arabic terminology fits like a like it's the right shoe size for Arabic, mm. whereas the English terminology is slightly out sometimes. So you have yeah. to say that a, a clause of attendant circumstance as opposed to hell mm. is a bit, you know, it's like, why don't we just use hell? You know.
1: Yeah. I've seen some but, pretty I've seen some pretty funky um I've seen some pretty funky labeling in yeah in like trying to use English grammatical terms for um I've seen some pretty funky stuff I'm sure I remember seeing a tafadil or a superlative like for example like asgharu like the the smallest the smaller right I'm sure I remember seeing that be called like a quasi a quasi a, a quasi form four shape because it's like going on Elif and a Hamza at the beginning and <laughs> like as it kind of looks like a verb like Aslema or something like it's so like it's so bizarre mm-hmm. it's even, even like like pe- people who come from like a classical Arabic background learning the Arabic language when I when we say things like form five and form seven and stuff it's kind of funny even when I talk to like my mm-hmm. Arabic teachers and stuff about form seven or <laughs> form two as even those terms aren't really very helpful although although I, I do use them actually like because I, I list the forms if you know what I mean so we, we have we use some way in English to ref, refer have like a it's, but it's only really for reference it's not that it's not that I really yeah. care that people know that darra says a form two verb I, I don't really care about that I, I more care that people can use as a reference and if they're using the hands of their dictionary and things like that it's um they'll, they'll need to know it for things like that yeah. yeah well we we do that in the in the Arabic in 60 steps program We we quite early start to like I, I it's quite early in the program where we don't I don't really find it helpful to you to label the cases as a case and I case and u case. I don't find that helpful at any stage. There are some there are some like English grammatical terms that I find useful, particularly teaching British students who are young, like students who have gone to the school in the UK who have been in the education system we have now where it's quite grammar heavy, like kids do SPAG, they do spelling, punctuation, and grammar at like a young, I never did. Like I didn't know what a noun was until I learned Spanish. Like I, when I was at school, I didn't learn grammar at all. So that this approach wouldn't have been useful for me. But for lots well, of our, lots of our younger students, we, I, I noticed them kind of benefit because they already know what nouns and adjectives and things like that
0: are. 100%, 100% agree. In our level one programme, which is basically the way we do it is we split it into levels. So you study for three months, level one, and then for, for you do level two, which is another three months. Yeah. And then you just
1: um,
0: in our level one programme, we in, we don't have any Arabic terminology at all. Everything is English terminology. So you get introduced to noun, verb, um, adjective, um, and the reason, and nominal sentence and verbal sentence even. But the the reason why, and even possessive construction, sorry as well. Okay. The the reason why um, we use English is because I was finding that people who had studied Arabic, not necessarily in the university system, but in institutes in the UK, they could immediately say, this is a fīl," And I'd say, well, what's a fi'al? And they'd be like, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this is the Ildafah. I was like, what does? What's in Ildafah? So I, I, I introduce. I always start the course saying, "What is a noun?" And we get talking about the, the. So that when it's translated to ism in the second, they actually know what an ism is after that. Like, and and so yeah, I I think this is a great approach to take. But mm. I just mean that so as it that was the whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Whereas we only we only did a little bit in the fourth year where it went into irab, but but we we go quite early into looking at uh cipher, sifa for example mm. um, i
1: think i think there's um there are maybe some important distinctions to make between like what what their audience and well i mean students is like at university obviously they're dealing with people who are who are in theory highly motivated not necessarily muslims assumption is they're complete beginners in the arabic language and they're full-time committed whereas like i know i know for my students it's a it's a very different it's a very different Um, you know audience that we're that we're serving or community that we're serving because they're usually people who they've got all sorts of stuff going on yeah some of them run companies some of them have got young families some of them you know some some of them have got busy jobs some of them are universities some of them whatever right whatever their situation and then you know their their commitment tends to tends to come in ebb and flows and stuff as well and I don't know, and, and they're not, and most of them are Muslims in my case, um, a surprisingly higher percentage of non-Muslims, actually, maybe 25% of my, my students are non-Muslims. Um, yeah. I don't know if they resonate with the white fellow or something. I really have no idea, but <laughs> but, but, but we have, some, some, in fact, some of our best students are actually non-Muslims. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of, like of our graduates, I'd say 25% of our intake are, are non-Muslims, but of our graduates, maybe 40% of our graduates are non-Muslims, which is, which is kind of interesting, really. But I don't know, I I think like in the actual delivery of our programmes, it's things like you were saying earlier, like really being sensitive to what are their lives actually like, you know? And then obviously tying back into what what, what we're saying, so to bring it back to the the point I was making is in terms of the the language that we use to deliver our programmes as well, obviously needs to be sensitive to that too. Because if if we're dealing with people who, you know muslims who have been to madrasa since they were five like it's the reason the arabic and 60 steps program doesn't need to begin with elif ta. we we just don't need to do the script to be honest like but so yeah, us we, so us does you know
0: yeah that's the thing and also like we, we we've recently we we really focus on a a, a particular type of student now uh, when again when i was starting i used to teach many different types um but the way it works now is it, people come to us who know the alphabet already um and then they'll study from that point from not knowing any Arabic language but they can read the sounds and then they'll go to the point where they can read texts and then we might, we we offer text lessons like I, I do like a class on a particular Arabic text or, um, and again it's all, all in three months uh, so uh, sort of sections but again like I feel like the sounds and the, the, the of the al- alphabet that's a, that's something which it's probably best if they learn that. From a specialist as well, um, and, and 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 that. that is, so it's, I think it's really important for us to know exactly what we're good at doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, my like my I think my my kind of community is. Um, or, or certainly students who join the program. Like the, the the community generally who listen to the podcast and who watch the YouTube channel and stuff, it's just it's open to absolutely anybody. Like if anybody who has any kind of desire to learn Arabic in any capacity, if they find some some you know something beneficial from my YouTube channel, ehalen was ehalen. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But um, but like on, on the program, like what I what I try to really specialise in is is like um standard Arabic for English speaking adult Muslims. In the west that's really kind of the that's that's kind of the avenue that it's it's ended up going down have you have you experienced that that the same with ihsan
0: yeah i, I feel like we we have um we, we're kind of lucky in in the way that we have um diff- like uh, obviously my wife teaches certain lessons and sophie teaches certain lessons and so we, we generally segregate it so that the the brothers take the courses with me and the sisters take the course with either sophie or ella um, and we, we, I have, I do, I do teach children, but generally speaking, that's a sort of bespoke arrangement. Um, and, um, I, I, and, and through ISA and Arabic we we generally take adults or, or, you know, younger people who've got the, the ability to sort of direct their own studies. Um, and yeah, and Muslims generally, obviously a lot of Muslims, we, we get non-Muslims as well, certain times. Um, which is, which is, um, but always interesting people.
1: Yeah, the absolutely.
0: People, I mean, amazing amount, the amount of amazing connections that we've made, uh, with, with people around the world. We say we, we've taught students in every continent, but we're still waiting for that student from Antarctica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and, and, um, but, but yeah, so people coming from Brazil, I didn't realize there was a, a, a large Muslim Community of converts in Brazil. I didn't know, but then you get people getting contact, and in India and 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 even in New Zealand, and so it's it's such. A, but people who want to study Arabic, I find us some of the best company, which is really
1: mm.
0: kept, kept me doing this because they're, they're motivated, they're curious, they're open-minded. Um, it's a it's a it's a blessing to be able to be around, and that's what through the Instagram as well. We try and put a lot of effort into the instagram um and one of the things i love you posted this recently and yours is what from the right at the outset i said to, i said to my wife we are never going to chicken out of a case <laughs> <ending."> <laughs> <laughs> we are we are not doing this yeah, yeah. so there's been times or we've had posts ready to post but we can't pin down one thing because it's a really weird example for example uh, uh, like maybe it's a and it's just there's no example of it anywhere on the web in anything and and we've we've had to wait until we've double double checked it with the teacher um, just to make sure and um, and sometimes it is very frustrating it's probably why a lot of people just Just avoid the issue, you know. Yeah,
1: they're just chicken out of it. Yeah. I um yeah, so for the people who don't have context on that, (laughs) so yeah, I was I was flying with Qatar Airways recently, and they you've always got like little bags for the kids with toys in or whatever. And I had like a pillow and I was looking at it. And um yeah, and it just had had some Arabic on it. Go to my Instagram to see what it is exactly. But um yeah, and it just didn't have the case endings on. They'd put they'd put other hadakat on, just not the case endings. (laughs) Like they had everything else. So like in my in my post, I was like <laughs> <laughs> to, to <Yeah>. Qatar Airways <laughs> why, why? are you chickening it out or putting the case endings? But yeah, that's 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 really interesting.
0: Yeah. So there's that. But I mean, what we're trying to do at the moment, which hopefully is is because we we're posting more regularly. Obviously, um, there's a bit of collaboration going on, and is we're trying to do it in bi-monthly sections. So we'll meditate for two weeks on one topic. Um our recent topic was like centers of learning in the Arabic speaking world. Mm-hmm. So we might do posts about cities, posts about grammar from cities like diptotes, and then it will lead towards a newsletter um, on on friday, which which is like discussing that topic in a bit more depth. So like it's kind of like its an Arabic, yeah, there's an area for people who aren't doing the courses just for free to come along a little bit like what you offer with your YouTube sure. and everything. Like that, but it's something a bit more kind of like a kind of journal, um, which is nice because it allows us also to. It's not just random content creation, but it's more of a sort of thought out. And I don't see why that would harm anything with the algorithm or anything.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, th- this has brought us to quite a nice place actually, because something I really wanted to kind of pick your brains about is what your obviously like when when did you graduate from SoAS? Twenty eighteen. 2018. Okay, right. So you've been out in the in the big bad world for like four years now, and like, so so you've been out of Soas for as long as you were in it, right? Like, and I, I look I look at your content I'm that old. you put out on Instagram. Go ahead. What was that? i <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you old man. Yeah, old man, yeah. have Yeah. So like, well, when I look at your content on Instagram. You seem to have this way of just finding gems in the Arabic language like it's something I remember kind of thinking about with you even when even when we first met like you just had an appreciation for little bits of knowledge bits of nuance that the Arabic language brings with it you seem to kind of you seem to keep on finding these gems and I want to know where you're mining them like what 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 is Habib's and, and your and your wife and your team generally, like, what is your what is your study like? Like, do you, do you have your own teachers or their particular books that you like to get your head into? What 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 are you doing to continue to grow as, as a person who uses the Arabic language?
0: That's a, a really good question. Um, so um, I have I have a Arabic teacher myself, um, and my lessons generally consist um, consist of just speaking Arabic in Fusha mm-hmm. for like an hour. And I try and do that every week Um, and I've noticed that it really improves my teaching to have that because I'm constantly empathizing with students you know even little things like like you know getting the homework done and the fact that I'm doing the homework like the day before when I really should have done it way earlier and I'm like okay i understand my students now <laughs> so so I, I do that we again we we will talk about some more high level topics in fusha um and and so that that's one thing i'm doing i'm reading texts um so i'm 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 always like looking for texts of a level that i can understand like 70% mm. and then there's 30% that 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 is and and so so i'll be looking around for, for novels and things like that and um, trying to keep and 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 so um, me and Ella and Sophie, um, we actually have our own study group, which cool. is for teachers. So we we meet like, and uh, generally aim to meet another hour a week, where we will look at texts because that's something which we need less um, input from a uh, native speaker, um, and then the gems just come from everywhere i mean like there are things that we just know knew already from university mm-hmm. yeah made no made notes of and then there are things that come from speaking um, and reading um and and also searching on the web um to, to confirm things um again sometimes you come across them in te- like we we might be reading an arabic text and we come across something listening yeah. to talk i know i know sometimes you're listening to a talk and the, the the speaker says something about the Arabic language and it's like okay that, that that's a, that's a brilliant example to sort of again which tr- what we're trying to do is just show people how cool Arabic is all the yeah
1: time. yeah yeah and um yeah and absolutely.
0: So I mean one of the interesting ones which I don't think we've done a post about recently was Nimr um I was okay I I obviously I I was speaking and um I was attending another Arabic class which was like an, an advanced advanced uh, like I think that I'm more enthusiastic about taking Arabic classes than my um, students are maybe (laughs) Um, I was attending another Arabic class and um, I said uh, Nimr and I was was like okay so a tiger it means a tiger and the teacher was like no no it doesn't mean a tiger and it was the first time I was like yeah kind of like sure it means a tiger and he's (laughs) he's like no no like Nimr means leopard and so I was like, okay, okay. Like and Google searched Nimr and got loads of pictures of tigers. Um, and I was just like really confused by this for a while and went to speak to my Syrian friends and said, what's a Nimr? And he was like, it's a tiger. And then like I wikipedia I Wikipedia, and it was like Nimr, um, a common mistake is to call a tiger a Nimr, but a ti- a Nimr actually means leopard. And the real word for tiger is bibber. In Arabic, wow, and 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 that's a gem right there, you know. But that's like how it came about from my own studies of like being like, wow, this is because um, because again, like most Arabs would think of a tiger if you said nimr to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but from the standardized language, nimr means leopard. And even if you go to the dictionary, like if you it, it says leopard. <laughs> uh,
1: Subhanallah, Subhanallah. And,
0: uh, so there's a gem. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it becomes an Instagram post at some, some some point inshallah but and again another one was the one about oranges and just like being curious and thinking why is Portugal sound so much like Portugal
1: mm, I saw that and post I, actually yeah
0: yeah and then and then suddenly you, d- you do a bit of digging um, another one recently was we were planning on going to Fez and I was like well where does Fez come from that word and then I did some research and found that one of the theories is it comes from fats okay. the word for axe.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So that story, and then another one of the theories is that it used to be in an ancient world called Seth, and okay. then that, that was reversed to create Fez. So there's different theories, mm. but I always just feel curious about things, like a little bit nerdy in a way, mm. and then that sort of digs out. And there's just gems everywhere in Arabic. It's yeah, there is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now that's like. That's kind of what the Arabic in 60 Steps podcast was in the beginning. It was really just me sort of having a nerd out and drawing parallels from different places. Like even, I don't know, even like I do some story walkthroughs on my YouTube channel. I do like, a, at the moment, we're doing a walkthrough of the Arabic version of Little Red Riding Hood, which is Layla Zib. Um, yeah. trans- translating the expression Little Red Riding Hood. like the, the text tries to do it a few times with like, rida like the the owner yeah. of the red robe, <laughs> kind of tries to, tries to kind of... Um, Arabize it in that way, but but in in that like I really enjoy just kind of reading through it, and I'll just notice that a particular word is like used in a, used in a particular area in a certain way, and just I don't know, just like the, the when you learn the Arabic language and you look for these gems, they're more than the sum of their parts because you 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 see um, you see parallels and lines between them. Like I, I I honestly didn't know that by the way about it being a leopard. I thought a fehad was a leopard, or maybe yeah. um, but, um cheetah? cheetah. Yeah. Bit, well, there's a fehad soyad. It's like a hunting ferhed, um, which I thought was which I thought was a cheetah, but um, I didn't know if um because in in Somali, in Somali, it's the same word for a leopard and a tiger. Because they don't have tigers in Somalia, so like, uh, so I don't know. There probably are biologists who actually do know the word for tiger. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, like there are Somali biologists who do know, but like among the general people, like if you say shabelle most people yeah. think most people think you mean a, a leopard or a tiger. You, you, you could be describing either of them. And I didn't know, I didn't know if there was a case in Arabic, but the Arab world does have leopards and has had for a very long time. So. I, um, but not, yeah. but not tigers. So maybe I thought maybe that was the reason, but but it's not. It really is just the case that we've all caught on with using nimr to mean a tiger, and uh, and lo and behold, <laughs> lo and behold, it's not.
0: It was amazing though because I was there was, was, was sort of an old um, like my my friend's dad, um, Syrian, um, and he has a great knowledge of the Arabic language. And I was at the dinner table at his house, and I said, "What does nimr mean?" <laughs> okay, <laughs> and like everyone said at the table they were like tiger and then like and then he said he said he he sort of stopped and he goes maybe not <laughs> like that and he's like he was thinking like because he, he knew he, he knew something about this and then he said okay. yes yes so so there was a kind of there was a so kind what
1: of what like, was the actual word for tiger bibber bibber okay interesting yeah. interesting mm. yeah
0: um but yeah, I mean, just going off that, I remember mean, you speaking about in the early days of the Arabic and 60 Steps program, you bringing out these gems, and then also you bringing out these gems in your early YouTube videos. And I mean, I don't know if anyone said this, but I feel like it should be said that, that or it should be sort of um, celebrated of like what an inspiration your... Sort of path as an Arabic teacher has been to all of all of the Arabic teachers out there because being one of the early people in the fields and showing us that essentially yeah you I remember early in the progress you said create your own job mm-hmm. It's like hey, you can do that you know and you can do that with Arabic and you can kind of be fearless in in the sense of just like finding these gems sharing them with people and I I feel like um and also then just showing bring a, a huge amount of support to other people in the field, like ourselves. But obviously, as you say, it's a business as well, but there's never been a period when I, um, as another SARS student who came, where I didn't feel like I had your complete support um, and sort of uh, mentoring in, in that in that way. And so I just, I think it should be sort of made known, just um, how important the work you've done
1: is uh, i really appreciate in, that man i really appreciate anyway. it like i i don't know i i kind of um it's difficult to make sure that you're sincere sometimes i think like it's, it's hard to even like if we take for example like in our practicing of islam like like when you pray yeah. your salah when you give in sadaqah, or when you make your hajj there there are things that people can often see and it's i often have kind of an internal dialogue with myself well am i sincere and i i think it's helpful to to, to do things that really can only be sincere, and I, I think when I like some people see it as like my competitors, like some people see it as like other Arabic teachers are like my competitors and stuff and I. I think in my work it it just helps my sincerity really to to just just put it as the situation that the only thing that matters is the student. Like that's all that matters. You know, if I can, like, put another Arabic teacher on and I can say, look, I highly recommend these teachers, check out these teachers and stuff. And it's a little bit like, like, the way that the zakah, even in its root letters, is to do with, like, purifying, right? Like, like yeah. how the zakah sort of purifies our wealth when you give. Like, when I give some of my attention to another Arabic teacher, it sort of purifies the attention I get for my work, yeah. if you know what I mean. It's it's kind of purifying in a way. Like in, And it comes from a confidence and a, a maturity in that, like, the, the community that are sort of around like anything that i i put out there they um if if they're if they're around my work for the right reasons then they'll stick around and yeah absolutely uh, and
0: i feel i feel like um i feel like what we're doing together as a group of arabic teachers um there are more arabic teachers online which we we're in regular contact with um speaking about things and 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 it's it that is that is the most special thing we have um Mm -hmm. And that's been the most special thing about this journey, doing it online, because it's just allowed us to very fast track a kind of way of hopefully spreading the Arabic language. And this, just to riff on, that, on that, that point you were talking about, there's this uh, quite cool story by uh, Seth Godin, um, uh, where he he says that one time I was, um, I was, I was in a new town and driving into an unfamiliar town and I stopped off outside um a card shop and I went into the card shop um like you know like greeting cards and things like that and he, he said oh is there a, is there a and he, he said I asked the man behind the counter he's like is there a flower shop nearby I I, I, I want to buy some flowers and the guy behind the counter said no no there's nothing here there's nothing there's no flower shop in this town and he, he gets back in his car and he drives down the road and there's a flower shop and and he he starts thinking in his head he's like you know that guy's probably not making much money in his card shop he's probably feeling down and you know it's probably been a hard day whatever but if he would have told me there was a flower shop down the road I would have bought a card to go, to go with it mm. <laughs> right yeah yeah and and um and i feel like that's that, that's the most amazing thing is that essentially i would love it if everyone was studying arabic um and and so by communicating and and, and making our practice better as, uh, as a whole it's it, you know it's it, it, it's an amazing thing to be able to do absolutely to, to, yeah to, to, everybody, to wins.
1: Like, everybody wins everybody yeah, wins for
0: sure everybody wins students most most, off, I mean, the, the, the main people that have benefited, I think, from what you do is your students.
1: You know, I hope so. Um, yeah,
0: and 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 um and um, but but yeah, no, it's been a it's an inspiration to see that you're you are you have done it again in the early days, mm. and you're continuing to do it and continuing to benefit people immensely. Uh, myself being being a testament to that,
1: you know. There's one last thing that I think um, one last point that I would make about because obviously I, I like you I saw you kind of start Ehsan fairly soon after graduating from SOAS and I, I started creating content sort of fairly soon after finishing yeah. SOAS as well and some of the and an advice that I'll give to any other Arabic teachers out there and also an advice for myself and for you as well is that the best time to share a gem is when it's just been discovered and I kind of wish that when I was at university, I shared more of those things that like when I was in Palestine, if I'd had kind of the skills of create content and stuff that I have now, when I was in Palestine and the confidence to do it as well, like there, there were times when I came across something and I thought, man, this would be such a cool YouTube video, like this little yeah. bit of Palestinian poetry or something, or like, or like sometimes I could be in like the, and like the market in Palestine and like one of my friend one of my friends and I would go through into like a little courtyard and I'd climb up on top of a roof or something and I just thought like if we were to make a little video here about something in the Palestinian dialect or something like there's there's so many moments where like you can choose to document an experience of learning something which is which is so much more powerful than like getting into the studio and making it so refined and everything like that like i i would encourage i'd encourage anybody actually creating content out there for the for the enrichment of the students to 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 share the gems as soon as you discover them because that's that's when they're kind of that's just when they're best so that's and kind of that's just something i'd say
0: it's also a great way of taking notes mm. like my instagram account is a way better note collection than what I had at university. Right. Okay. <laughs> I can look yeah. back at it and be like, oh yeah, I just want to know. For example, we we put out a post recently which was like textbook vocabulary. And we just went through the textbooks and we you know all the Arabic commands mm. like, you know, translate this sentence or find the synonyms for this that you get in in uh, in books like Bainay Adaik and things like that. To um, but you don't always know exactly what it's saying. So we just translated all of these, like in a post, and it's like I'll probably that's useful for me to have mm. as well to go back and 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 check that. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I, I, I mean, we've always just like trying to create things that are of value. I think, I think that the the major step which is ahead of us as Arabic teachers, people like me and you, which has not maybe been touched upon much but in the future is to make connections with native speakers who are teaching the language because we both have important things to offer like i feel like i can i can teach things in a way that many native speakers would struggle with but i feel like a missing piece of the puzzle is uh is working with 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 native speakers of the language as well um that might be where things start to get interesting. Mm-hmm. With uh,
1: I completely agree. Actually, I would. I've been thinking of ways to sort of bring my Arabic teacher, and he's he's a yeah. Syrian. He lives in Sudan actually, but he's he's a Syrian, and he is um he's just very personable. Like he's um I just like people like that. I like people who are just kind of pleasant and jolly and really agreeable. And he's I think he would I think he would content very well. So I'd I'd love to do something with him inshallah. And at the end of the day, like people are native speakers or they're not like at the end of the day do, do you know what I mean like like yeah, yeah. You, and you can't you can't really replace that like somebody who's a native Arabic speaker it's just it's just it's all at their fingertips just like English is to us it's something is as you say like such a rich resource and if we could weave that into the way that people like yourself and and myself can can sometimes deliver concepts in the Arabic language to people, that maybe nat- with, with a nuance that perhaps a native speaker wouldn't, if we can marry those two things. And that's, that's an interesting step forward. Um, I'll wrap it up for you, Inshallah. I know I've gone over the time that I promised by like loads, but I just wanted you for this time and we're, we're into some good stuff. So like, what I'd really like to do just to round things off is I'd really like you just to tell my audience where they can find you, what your best platform is, what programs you've got running at the moment, if any, um, and just the best way to get hold of you and then then we'll let you go.
0: Brilliant. So, um... Um, we we always every three months um, releasing um, new courses. Generally, these are level one courses that we advertise, but um, there are level two courses running generally as the level one students progress. So if you're a beginner to Arabic and you would like to get to grips with the language, then you can register interest on our website, or sometimes we're directly Um, advertising a course and you can just enroll straight on we've just had a cohort that's that's started now so you can register interest and we'll put you in the next one Um, the instagram is ihsan.arabic and um, our our website is um, ihsan-arabic.com and um, I think the best way to keep up with us is to I'd say join the instagram so you know follow what we're doing um, sign up to our newsletter. Where we provide um, more in depth writing on the Arabic language, on gems, on our struggles, and what's going on with us at the moment. Um, and just get involved, you know, like send us a message, reach out. Um, and then, you know, the, 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 the and, and, and if, if your sister, Sophie, is um, advertising level one courses at the moment and level two courses. and. She's a brilliant teacher, also um, studied at SOAS. And if you're a brother, I offer courses as well. So, I mean, that, that's the best way. But I'd say if you're just looking to keep up with what we're doing, then Instagram's the best place, really.
1: Great. So to your Instagram, first and foremost, for absolutely anybody, people are a, sort of a level above that can go into your website, ihsan-arabic.com, right? And yes. uh, they can join your mailing list there as well to, um, to be first in line for, uh, for anything else that's up and coming. Um, how many how many times do you email a week if someone or, or a month or whatever if someone joins your mailing list?
0: Uh, if, we, if you're a part of the mailing list, we do it twice a month. Oh, cool. And cool. that's it. And it's on a, a Friday and it's always a specific topic. So again, previous topics have included um, the top five listening resources that we found, which we've arranged into beginners, intermediate and advanced. That's been a topic. Another topic has been um, a look at inspirational um, students of Arabic for our history. So sometimes it's actually like study skills, other times it's culture and history, and sometimes it's um, direct um, sort of Arabic grammar breakdowns. Um, but it's we've made it in such a way that it is something which you can just open up and read without you know and 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 benefit from sure um, we all contribute to it. I, I write a section, Sophie writes a section and Ella writes a section. Um you'll also be able but that's it we 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 don't really spam people much more than that. It's just um two um two emails every month. Sure, on the front.
1: Well, I want to thank you. I want to say thank you so much for coming to join me today. It was an absolute pleasure to uh, get to see your face after so long and um, see what you're doing. I'll make sure that all of your links are in the description as well. For anybody watching on YouTube, you guys can go to the description box below and you can look at all the links to everything that Habib and uh, and his team are up to. And also, if you're listening on the podcast as well, I'll make sure it's all in the show notes as well. So if you forget anything, just go down and click the uh, click the highlighted lines and you'll get to where you want to go. So, um, Habib, I'll let you go then. So, um, thank you again. Thank you so much for being with us today. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum, sir.